So shall it be in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Um, do we all have the outline? You notice that there's a lot of blank spaces in the outline today. And the, uh, the idea is this. Today, we are going to be drinking from, like, from a water hydrant. You know what that means? It's like we're going to be drinking from a big tap that is gushing out. So it is how hungry you are. Watch how fast you can write, what you can take, and I pray that you take all in Jesus' name. Say amen. Amen. Um, so to, to um, open up the um, teaching, we have a question. Um, what are your expectations as we begin this new series? I mean, some of us, we've seen the video of the, the um, teaser you were here on Sunday. You got it over, over uh, social media. When, what crossed your mind? What, what, what are you expecting? When you, um, you are coming to church today, what was on your mind? What were your expectations? Anybody? I can ask anybody because everybody here has something in their minds when they were coming to church. Anybody who wants to go? What, what, was, what were your expectations? Um, okay. Keep the hands up. Okay. God. Hallelujah. Okay, um, I have read the book of John before, mm. and it was so mind-blowing. Nice. So, um, when you mentioned the book of John, I was looking forward to unraveling more deeper miseries contained in the book. In the book. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> okay, I pray that the Holy Spirit will unravel it for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody else? What were your expectations? Um, what were your expectations? Um, a man, okay, Pastor Buki, but a man this time. Um, guys, talk to me. What were your expectations? Uh, yeah. I was looking forward to meeting someone that I had known all my life, but meeting the person in a new light. Because when I heard the teaser on Sunday, I was like, wow. So it was as if I was seeing another hand go to Jesus. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Awesome. Okay, anybody else? And, and God will surpass our expectations in Jesus' name. Okay, there's a, there's a hand right in front. Keep the hands up so that the ushers can locate you. Okay, thank you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So when we had the um, Ephesians series, that was when we discovered that we were saints. So I'm expecting some discoveries tonight. <laughs> some discoveries. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Praise the name of the Lord. You see, um, for the, the, the past, almost immediately after I gave my life to Jesus in, um, in, in university, in my final year, in 1995. 1995. Wow. A pretty young and <laughs> almost immediately, by the grace of God, I started winning souls for Jesus. Almost immediately, I started reaching out to my friends, telling them about Jesus, leading people to Christ. And every one question, and it hasn't stopped, praise the name of the Lord, by the grace of God. One question that keep coming up. So, okay, so when my friends give their life to Jesus or people I speak to give their life to Jesus and, and they take the Bible, they come to me and they say, okay, where do I start from, from the Bible? Where do I start to, to read from? Should I start from Leviticus? I say, no, 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 no. no. Should I start from, <laughs> you know, one book, as far as I can remember, that I keep referring people to, even when I didn't know why, was the book of John. Start from the book of John. Start from the book of John. And the more... I read the book of John myself. The more I understood the word of God, the more I refer people to the book of John. So if you haven't read the book of John, I want to encourage you to read the book of John. In fact, 
the book of John, then 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John. You know, it's fantastic. You know, one of the keys to engaging with scriptures is not just to, to read and take the facts. Like, like we learned on Sunday, um, through the teaser, is to ask questions. We need to learn to ask questions, to probe further. Not just facts, but to probe. What does it mean? What does this mean? What does that mean? And it is when we probe that we begin to engage with scriptures. And when we engage with scriptures, it fires up our imagination. In fact, we we begin to see the Bible come alive. The Bible begins to come alive. When we begin to ask those questions and the Lord begins to lead us to the answers, then the scriptures begin to come alive. Then Bible study does not become a boring time. In fact, you need to pull me out when I start reading the Bible. As in literally pull me out. Something must pull me out. You know, literally. Praise the name of the Lord. (laughs) So we we see in 2 Timothy 2.15, what God says to us, He says we should study to show ourselves approved unto God. Study to show yourself approved unto who? Unto God. A workman that didn't not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So God expects you as a Christian to study to, to show yourself approved unto God. Not to, to show yourself approved unto men. Not so that you can bamboozle your friends and family or, or, or brandish your knowledge of scriptures. But so that you can show yourself approved unto God. And so that when you are dividing, it's as if we are sharing the word. You know, we use that word. We use that terminology or phrase. Let's share the word. Have you heard that before? It's as if we are sharing food. It's as if we are dividing a spoil. It's as if we are, we are sharing loot. <laughs> So, that's what the Bible is saying. Rightly dividing the word of God. The NLT says, work hard. Everybody say, work hard. So, it's hard work. And one thing that, by the grace of God, this series must do to you is to push you and, and propel you in that direction of hard work to seek the scriptures for yourself, to read the Bible for yourself. It should just be like an appetizer to whet your appetite so that you you can launch into the word of God yourself. It says, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker. One who doesn't need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. So, today we are going to have like an introduction and begin to delve into the the book of John. Um, We're going to look at the first five verses of of the first chapter. Then from next week, we'll begin to go deeper by God's grace into the book. John is is one of the four gospels, the the first four books of the New Testament that are called the gospels of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you have, what are the four gospels? Good. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels. Now, the first three Gospels are what they call the synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic Gospels. John stands alone by itself. They are synoptic Gospels because they are, they are similar in, in reference. They are similar in, in fact, Mark's work is about 90% of Matthew's work. Even though it was to different audiences. Matthew was speaking to the Jews. Mark was speaking to the Romans. Luke was speaking to the Gentiles. So, they, they were speaking to different audiences, but they had the same references. They, they quoted mostly from the same references, but John was totally different, and I'm going to um, explain how and why. The synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You should feel that in your um, outline. (laughs) They describe 
events from a similar point of view, different from that of John. The synoptic gospels rely heavily on the law and the prophets, quoting from the law and the prophet 140 times, over 140 times. John quoted more from the poetic and wisdom books. John hardly quoted from the law and the prophets. John quoted from the wisdom books, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Songs of Solomon. John hardly quoted. He did a few references, but hardly heavily like the synoptic gospels. All of the parables of Jesus are found in the synoptic gospels. All of the parables of Jesus are found, in fact, almost in the same order. All of the parables of Jesus are found in the synoptic gospels. There's no single parable in the book of John. No single parable. John's account was a narration of this is what happened. We were sitting here when this person said this at about this time of the day. Do you understand? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't talk about the parables of Jesus at all. It was focused on, on they've called him the, the, the apostle of Christology. It's, it was focused on Christ himself. So it was, it was, when you look at the work of John, you will, you will see Jesus glorified. Praise the name of the Lord. So John takes you into the life of Jesus, into the story of the event, into the actual time. It is only in John, you will see it, is, it was about 12 noon when he sat by the well. That's in John 4. And he was talking to this lady. We went about 50 yards forward. Then we found this. He was talking from an eyewitness account. It was narrating. I was there. We were there. This is what happened. That is John. It wasn't them say, you know them say, them say. <laughs> what happened? Them say. <laughs> John, no, 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 no. John was, this is what happened. And so John based his work mainly on the, on the wisdom group, or books, sorry. <laughs> I said wisdom group. <laughs> On the wisdom books and on the prophetic, poetic, sorry, poetic books. And I've listed them in on. But you see, the essence of the wisdom books surprisingly reveals the inadequacy of wisdom. The, 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 the crux of the wisdom books reveal the inadequacy of wisdom. If you look at the wisdom books, this, the summary of each of those books is wisdom is inadequate. So the answer, the crux of each of the books, for instance, if you take the book of Job, the crux of the book of Job is to show the inadequacy of the wisdom of Job and his friends. The crux of the book of Job is God himself showing up. The person of God was the answer in the book of Job, was the Crocs in the book of Job's, not the wisdom of Job's or, or his friends. If you look at the book of Psalms, the, the, the presence of Jehovah, the presence of God is the crux of the book of Psalms. God showing up. He says, I will have lost my way until I entered your temple. The presence of God is the answer. If you look at Ecclesiastes, in fact, it says, Clara, vanity upon vanity. Oh, it's vanity. The essence is the presence of God. If you look at the book of Proverbs, it introduces wisdom as a person. The essence is the presence of God. If you look at Songs of Solomon, same thing. It's about the lover of our souls. The essence is God. So, John basing his work on the wisdom group, the wisdom <laughs> the wisdom book. I, I, a lot of wisdom group people are out there. Maybe they are praying. Their prayer is strong. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> God showing up 
is the answer in the wisdom books. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. Jesus showing up is the ultimate answer to every question and every need of man. That was what John was saying. And the word became flesh. He showed up. And he dwelt amongst us. And that is the answer. That's what Job was saying. So, so, sorry, that's what John was saying. So, John was big on, on relationship. Was big on love. Was big on relationship. He's known as the apostle of love. In his letters, he's the one that will tell us, this is how God is. God is love. He that loveth not, knoweth not love. How can your brother say he has need of, then you say, God bless you. You don't bring out something and you shake body. How can the love of God be in you? James also, I mean, had a theme like that. But John was heavily focused on, on love. In John, Jesus referred to God as father. How many times? I know, I know, I mean, I, I, I know that it's not likely you will know, but around about how many times? Just guess about, about, about how many times? Who wants to guess about how many times? Yes. Ah, uh, you've seen my notes now. <laughs> okay, you've not seen that part of the notes. Okay, tell us about how many times? I'm guessing 365. Uh, okay, <laughs> I hope. <laughs> about a hundred and seven times. Praise the name of the Lord. That's a lot. As God, as Father, that's a lot. If you put Matthew, Mark, Luke together, it's not even up to 20. A hundred. So, he was big on, on relationship with the Father. So, who was John? John is known as the last of the apostles, the last of the 12 apostles, maybe because he was the youngest. Because John was a teenager. There, there's, I think, I mean, Bible scholars agreed unanimously because the, the volume of historical facts and, and, and the length of his life, it's, it's clear that he was a teenager when he was a disciple of Jesus. Imagine Jesus had a teenager as one of his disciples. I mean, so when Paul was saying, let no man despise your youth, it means God doesn't care about age. Praise the name of the Lord. God does not care about age. If you are young, God wants to use you. John was a teenager. Daniel was a teenager. David was a teenager when he killed Goliath. Do you know that? He was a teenager. So, the, it cannot be an excuse that we are young. God uses teenagers. <laughs> He's the brother of James, the first disciple that was battered, that was, I mean, killed for, for Christ. James was the first disciple to be killed. John was his brother. James and John, the sons of Good. Bible students, sons of Zebedee. Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to John, who cared for her until she died. Who is John? That is what we are answering. Probably even getting to his work, his writings. It was the teenage eyewitness that developed a pastor's heart. Over the years, he became a pastor. He will write to his people, my dear children, my dear friends. It was, it, it, every pastor's heart is a broken heart. <laughs> Constantly being broken. You know, so it's, it, it, you could read that consistently in the works of, of, um, of John. So, John was an eyewitness. And eyewitnesses offer details that only someone who was physically present would know. Like we said earlier on, he gave us the time of the day the event happened. Example, John 1, 39. John 4, 6. How people put this text? Because I'm going to read in a lot of those texts. Did you put this text? John 
1914. But I'm not reading these ones. It provided distances that only eyewitnesses would know. John 619. John 21.8. And the book of John was written when it was old. It was, it was really old. So the content of the book has been taught over and over and over. Has been lived out. He has proven it. He has, I mean, if <laughs> someone say, said that, if Judas, uh, no, Thomas, if Thomas, you know Thomas, doubting Thomas, as we, as we know him in the church, <laughs> if, if Thomas could die because of the testimony of the resurrection of Jesus, that Jesus actually rose from the dead. <laughs> You know, if Thomas could, Thomas died in India. If he could, if he could stand and say Jesus is alive until they killed him and he did not back down, that Jesus must have actually revealed himself to him. Because Thomas is someone that, and at an old age, when you're about to die, when you're writing a book, you're not going to be writing frivolous stories. You're going to be, you're going to do away with the excesses of lies and exaggeration and error. When you're old, when you see people at their deathbed, when they, 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 they just go straight to the point because there's, there's no need anymore. John wrote this book at a very old age. So he could say to us in 1 John 1, 1, he says, we have proclaimed to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. He says, we saw him with our own eyes, with our own koro koro eyes. He says, we touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. Him who have seen, him who have heard, him who, whom we have handled, we felt him. This thing I'm writing to you, I'm not writing fiction. I'm not, I'm not writing you fables. They are not stories of my imagination. This is the word of life whom I have seen, I have touched, I have handled myself. And the word can become flesh. And the essence of, of, of church, the essence of teaching, the essence of, of, of Bible study like this is for the word to become flesh in such a way that you can say like John, I have seen, I have heard, and I have handled the word of life. That the word will become alive to you. That the word of God will not become, will not just be fiction to you. That the word of God will become, become alive to you. And I pray that so shall it be in Jesus name. So the word of God coming alive is the essence of our work with God. It's not that many scriptures you can quote. As that word become life. How do we know it has become life? It's simple. How you know what has become life is it brings forth fruit. Take soul winning, for instance. <laughs> How do we know the word concerning soul winning has come to life? Simple. Show me your fruit. How many people have come to Jesus on your account? This year is November. Do we know this is November? How many people have come to Jesus on your account? How many people? If, if, you, if, you are, if you are stuttering, you don't know. Well, don't worry. You have hope because the word will become life. <laughs> Say amen. <laughs> so the question is, has the word become life? Who is John? John was 
in the fishing business with his father, Zebedee, his brother, James, and their friends, Andrew and Simon, the sons of Jonah. You know who Simon is, right? Simon Peter. Okay. Simon Peter. The sons of Zebedee. They were in the fishing business together. At, at that, at that culture, in that culture, young men are in the business with their father, you know, at, at, at very young age, at the teenage age, so that they can learn the family business. Jesus was in the carpentry business with jo- um, Joseph. So, it was from a well-to-do family. It was from a well-to-do family. Anyone that ran the business, I mean, in those days, and had hired servants because all you want to use is all your sons because they are free labor <laughs> and they are eating free food in your house <laughs> but if a business now has hired servants as we see in mark 120 hired servants plural the business is booming praise the name of the lord so john was a, from a well-to-do family Business-oriented, business was booming. John's mother, Salome, that's the name of John's mother, <laughs> was one of the financial supporters of Jesus' ministry. If you read Mark 15, 40 to 41, when you get home, read it from the NRSV. Um, a lot of this, when we do Bible study like this, I said we use both the um, interpreted text and the um, literal translated text. So we use an NRSB for literal and we use obviously NLT for the interpreted text. Right? Do you remember that? Good. So Salome was, I mean, she must have been, she must have had money to be able to give Jesus money and support his ministry. True or false? People that don't have money cannot give you money support your ministry. They can love, they can pray for you. They can be prayer warriors. <laughs> but they won't give you nothing. Because you can't give what you don't have. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, the interesting thing is this. About Salome. And it's, it's a name that you should be conversant with in the Bible. Because Salome was always with the Marys. The Marys. In fact, Maybe we'll do another teaching, Salome and the Marys, you know, the women in Jesus' life, you know, powerful people. Anyway, so Salome was, the interesting thing is this, the Bible scholars believe, inferring from John 19.25, Mark, if you compare John 19.25 and, and Mark 15.40, you know, again, that is for you to do when you get home. And other historical facts. It is believed that Salome is the sister of Mary. The mother of Jesus. Is the third sister. The mother of Jesus. So which makes Jesus and John cousins. Wow. <laughs> So, Jesus and John were actually cousins. I mean, if all these findings are true, which most likely is, because except you have a superior text (laughs) or proof. So, Salome, by herself, in her own right, was a follower of Jesus. Matthew 26, 27, 56. Matthew 27, 56. Salome was a follower of Jesus. Not only was her son, a disciple, one of the 12, she was in the bigger follower, bigger group following Jesus. Salome was in the group following the same Jesus that her sons were disciples. So when Jesus said that they should sit on the floor, Salome sat on the floor and her son gave her bread to eat. 
If they had anointing service and it came out to be anointed, Salome came on the queue. Atine's son laid hands on her. Wow. If they, if they had um, a Sunday service and Jesus is out of town, Salome sat in the congregation and John preached on Sunday. I'm just trying to bring it to our own time. <laughs> you know, that she by herself had a faith in God and was a follower of Jesus and she must have been very humble, obviously. Praise the name of the Lord. Are we still together? Okay. Salome was obviously has been heavily criticized for her ambitious request in Matthew 20 from 20 to 28. Jesus has, 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 has just talked to them about having given them 12 thrones in, the, in his kingdom when he gets to heaven that each of the 12, we have 12 thrones around his own throne and all that stuff. Then Salome came with uh, John and, uh, <laughs> and um, James. <laughs> it's an amazing scripture. Can you put up, can you put up that scripture? It's, it's <clears throat> let's read it. So Salome came with John and James. It, she dragged them. They, come, come, come. And I can imagine John and James said, oh, mommy, oh, no, now. Say, come, my friend. What do you know? <laughs> Small picking. Please come. So they brought them. Then the mother of Zebedee's son, everybody says Salome, came to Jesus with her sons kneeling down. Excuse me. What was Salome to Jesus? Auntie. With her son, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? <laughs> Jesus asked. She said, grant that, on the, that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand. Choose any one you want. You are God. Make a choice out of these two. To sit on your right and the other on your left. I won't tell you which one to be on your right or your left since you are God. But let one be on your right and the other one be on your left. <laughs> In your kingdom. And Jesus rebuked her. You don't know what you asked for. Let's read it. I was going to rush through it. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can. They answered. She has tutored them. <laughs> Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink of my cup because he knew how they were going to die. But to sit on, at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Eh, you go and, went to bring your mom, eh? <laughs> See, which we don't have mommy. <laughs> so Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Everybody say, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the son of mine did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Praise the name of the Lord. So, Salome brought politics into Jesus' church. She was the first official church politician. <laughs> we say, oh, there's politics in church. There's politics. It didn't just start today. It started with Salome, <laughs> the mother of, <laughs> of John. I mean, wherever two or three are gathered, there we always the politics. Jesus knew it. His job is to set it straight and keep the true north. Okay, <clears throat> so let's see how far we go. John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. So given this background, you have seen who John is. You have seen where he has come from. You have seen who his mother 
is, was, family is come from, his relationship with Jesus, how intimate he had been with Jesus from a teenager, how he has watched and experienced and interacted with Jesus. When he says the disciples that put his head on Jesus' bosom, he must be a teenager because no man will do that. Okay. You didn't get that. Most men won't do that. <laughs> it's only boys that will do that. <laughs> okay. John 1, 1 to 5. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. And the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shined in darkness. And darkness can never extinguish it. Arguably, these are the greatest words ever written, I think. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him, there was nothing made that was made. Nothing. Nothing. All things were made by him. Everything in your life is made by Jesus Everything in creation made by him. Every force on earth, in heaven, beneath the earth, made by him. That's why at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Because you cannot come against your source. Every power of hell, every demon was created by Jesus. That is why at the name of Jesus, every knee bows. Because Every force recognizes this is Lord. Maker, creator. It's, it's huge. And it's John that brings that to us. And he connects John 1 with Genesis 1. John 1, 1 with Genesis 1, 1 in a, in a beautiful way. In fact, the book of Genesis in, in, in Hebrew text is not, is not called Genesis. It's called Bereshit. And it's, it just means the beginning. That is the whole book of Genesis called the beginning. And if you, if you compare it, if you look at it, John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In, in, in Genesis 1, 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, in the beginning was with the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the, everything was created through the word. So, the word is God. The word is God. So how you treat the word of God is how you are treating God. If you revere the word of God, you revere God. If you obey the word of God, you obey God. If you adore the word of God, you adore God. If you make time for the word of God, you are making time for who? For God. And many times you're like, oh, we don't see God. How do we make time for God? Make time for the word of God. How do I obey God? Obey the word of God. And when John says word, it's not the Greek word logos, even though that is the word that was written. But when John says word, he was referring to the Hebrew word daba, D-A-B-A-R. That was what was in his mind. If you are writing, that is what is there. That was what was in his mind. Daba. What is the difference between Daba, Daba, however you want to pronounce it, and Logos? Logos literally just means word. Literally. But Dabas means both word and deed. Dabas means both word and deed. Huge difference. Dabas, in the beginning, Dabas. 
both word and deed. So when God says something, it happens. That's what that verse that verse is saying the word of God has everything in it to bring it to pass. Not only does it have everything it bring in it to bring it to pass, the word of God, once spoken, goes out and executes what has been spoken. And that's why he says, My word will not return to me void. But it will fulfill. So the word of God, the Daba, is a fulfilling word. It's a word of action. Not action from just verbs standpoint. Action from execution standpoint. This word is not just heard. It's not just to be heard. Once it has been heard, it is working. Praise the name of the Lord. Huge difference. Huge difference. So, Daba means word and deed. And deed. So, in Genesis 1-3, God says, let there be light. And that is how God created light. And there was light. Boom. Every word that God has spoken to you will come to pass. And it will come to pass because that word, listen, has in it instruments of execution. That word works by itself to bring what has been spoken to. And that is, that is what we see John showing us consistently. In John 4.50, all the word that was said, your son will live. That word heals the government official's son. Your son will, heal, will live. And that was what Jesus said. And that was all that was needed. Why? Because the word is both word and deed. The word is both word and deed. My word will not return to me void, but it shall perform. What shall perform? The word itself shall perform everything that I've sent it out to do. So, the word, your son is healed. Performs. And the guy got home and found out about what time was he healed. He says, about exactly the same time. So, the word doesn't even travel through time and space. It goes right there. Boom. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) I know you are caught between, should I clap, should I write? I want to write. There's a lot I need to write. I want to clap, I want to write, I want to clap. So just knock your knees. (laughs) John, showing us in John 9, 7, all he needed to say was go. And that word go opens the eyes of the blind man. Praise the name of the Lord. That was it. In John eleven forty three, he said, Lazarus, come forth. That word brought Lazarus out from the grave. And the Bible says that, and he that was dead came back alive. I've heard it said a, a couple of times, and I think I, I agree with, with, with the guys that say this, that if Jesus had not said, Lazarus, come forth, if all Jesus said, what, when he stood by that graveyard, was comfort, that everybody that has been buried in that graveyard would come out. Everybody. <laughs> Word and deed. That everybody will come and think about it. It's true. <laughs> so he has to be careful. Lazarus. <laughs> Comfort. And when we begin to experience God and his word. And relate to God and his word. The way we. Not in the English word word. But in the Hebrew, Daba, we, when we see God's word and we receive God's word, 
we are not now struggling to believe it or trying to make it work by ourselves. You know, sometimes that's what we do. We, we get what God's word. I believe it. I confess it. I believe it. It's good to confess. good to believe it. Okay. So, <laughs> until, <laughs> until the word actually becomes flesh. Yes. But when the word becomes flesh, Daba, the word is both word and, and deed. Both word and deed. Hallelujah. And this is the concept that was rooted in the wisdom books on which Jesus was presented by John. That the word is life. That this word is life. That this word creates. That this word is both word and deed. That this word it's not just word, it's, it's, it's deed. Psalm 33, verse 6 it says, The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He merely spoke, and the heavens were created. What does that mean? It is word and deed. It is word and deed. Psalm 107 verse 20. Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent his word. He sent out his word and healed them, snatching them from the door of death. God will send his word to you, heal you and snatch every form of death, snatch you from every form of death. In the mighty name of Jesus. It is so powerful. You know, I was just, I was, I was praying for service and I was just, you know, almost exploding, reading this thing. I just, you know, <laughs> wow. I said, so, so why are we not, I mean, I, I need to get this to as many people as possible. People, I mean, if we understood the word of God, you know, when, the, in some circles, when they say that, let's read the word of God, they stand on their feet. It actually deserves to, that and much more. <laughs> you stand on your feet. You want to, you, you want to be alert to, to hear the word of God or to read it. Psalm 148, verse 5 to 8 says, Let every created thing give praise to the Lord, for he issued his command and they came into being. He sent, he set them in place forever and ever. His decree will never be revoked. Praise the Lord from the earth. You creatures of the oceans, ocean depths, fire and hail, snow and clouds, wind and weather, they openly obey him. Praise the name of the Lord. So, word and deed. So, every time you interact with the word, in the beginning was the word, Daba, word and deed. The word was with God and the word was God. So, every time you interact with the word of God concerning your situation, don't just interact with the word information, facts. This is what God said. Interact with this. It is what he said and is done. Praise the name of the Lord. It is what he said and is done. It is what he said and is done. This is what God has said concerning me. And it is done. Word and deed. Awesome. Okay, verse 4. We get to verse 5. We get to verse 5. Verse 4. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. So, the word gave life to everything that was created. 
and his life brought light to everyone. Daba, God's word, gives life. And that life brings light. Not the other way around. We would like to have light first. Before we put life into a situation. But God puts his life. And his life brings the light. Genesis 1. In the beginning. The earth was without form and void. God's life entered the situation. The spirit of the Lord overed. Then God said let there be light. And his life brought light. Praise the name of the Lord. God life in us is what brings light into our situations. God's life in us is what brings light into our situation. The reason the word must become flesh is when the word becomes flesh, God's life is, becomes a part of us and Light comes into our situation. And this concept is consistent. Like I said, in, in the wisdom books that John is heavily rooted in, in Job chapter 33, 28 and 30, it says, God rescued me from the grave. And now my life is filled with light. He rescued them from the grave so that they can enjoy the light of life. The light of life. Psalm 36 verse 9. For you are the foundation of life. The light by which we see. So we see that it is the life of God that brings light. What situation Whatever situation you are facing, in your finances, in your health, in, in your spiritual life, in your, in your relationships, if you can bring the life of God in, there will be light. If, if you can bring the life of God in, there will be light. If you can bring the life of God in, darkness will recede. If you can bring the life of God in, because in him, was life and the life was the light of men <laughs> and that light shines in darkness okay we'll get to that <laughs> so John shows us that Jesus alone is eternal life if you're writing need to write very quickly John 3 14 and 15 John 3 14 and 15 John shows us that Jesus alone is eternal Life. Okay, maybe we'll read one or two. It says, and as Moses lifted up the, bro the bronze snake in the pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Then he goes on to say, um, For God so loved the world, and he gave his only begotten Son. So, John 3 36 for, for writing, John 4. 13 and 14, John 4, 13 and 14, and John 5, 24. John 5, 24. Okay, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. So in him was life. And the life was the light of men. In him was light, life. And the life was the light of men. And verse 5 says, and that light shines in darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. Praise the name of the Lord. The light of your life from the life of God in you will shine in darkness and darkness will never extinguish it. It is the life that brings the light. And it is that light that overcomes darkness. Throughout history, the kingdom of darkness have tried to kill the church of Jesus. 
They've rallied all their powers, the forces. Powerful kings, powerful kingdoms have persecuted the church, crucified believers, killed people, fed people to lions, shut down churches. They've been attacked in churches from without and from within. But guess what? They failed. And they will keep failing. Every kingdom that tried to extinguish the church, the kingdom expires and the church continues. The Roman Empire collapsed. The church is still alive today with over 3 billion members <laughs> all over the world. So it is a futile effort trying to stop the church. It is unstoppable. Even today, some people, they are, the only punching bag they have is the church. That's the only punching bag they have. It's the church. You'll discover that it is difficult to kick against the pricks. It's very difficult. You will kill yourself. Darkness can never overcome the light of Christ in you. Never. It's impossible. In him was life. And the light, the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness. And darkness cannot overcome it. When you bring the life of God into your situation, the light of God enters your situation. And there's no force on hell, of hell that can stop you. The light of God is so powerful that if all the demons on earth gather together, they're not enough. The light will break through. Praise the name of the Lord. Every check history, every attack on the church always makes the church stronger. Every, everyone. So, by extension, church is people, right? People make up the church. <laughs> Let me put it that way. So, every attack on God's people, if you bring and you are rooted in the life of God, that life will bring light and that light will overcome darkness. Every single time. Pastor, why are you so confident? I'm confident because God can never fail. He can't. Never. So, all I need to do is to secure his life. All I need to do is to secure his presence. All I need to do is to secure the life of God. And that life will bring light. And that light will overpower darkness. Hallelujah. In our time, darker forces still struggle to overcome the light. <laughs> Larger, more powerful kingdoms war against it. But they too are predestined to fail. From the beginning, from before they started, they predestined to fail. So that is why when, when Paul was saying, we are more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. These people, they know what they are talking about because there is no way you come in contact with the life of God that you will be in darkness. That life will bring light. And there's no way that light is present that it will not overpower darkness. There's no way. Who is the witch in the village? Where is, it, where is she coming from? Where is it coming from? He or she will bow. <laughs> Who is the, you know, and I, I'm saying this, I mean, I, I know that, I mean, people are watching us from the U.S., from, you know, those people, yeah, I was saying to some guy, <laughs> some, of my, uh, some guy of, of discipline in the U.S., and, you know, it was like, oh, you know, 
as Christianity is so different down there in Africa, you know, you guys have witches, you know. <laughs> I think you love more. The truth is this. Listen, listen, listen. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something. They are, they are, the Christianity is the same everywhere in the world. The word of God is true everywhere in the world. When I ex- when I when I when I began to expose the work of darkness in in the U.S. I was in the U.S. This, this last trip. When I began to expose the work of darkness to him, he was quiet. I said, "Is this not even worse than what we have?" That is, we we are seeing the one we are. Seeing. <laughs> the point is that the enemy will want you to be ignorant, be a fool, as I don't exist, so that I can destroy you. Because ignorance is darkness, right? But we are not unmindful of his devices, and we know whom we have believed. It's a constant battle. But they will fail. In the name of Jesus. Okay, let's draw the curtain here. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, if you're clapping, clap for Jesus. Um, <clears throat> do you have any questions? Or comments? What that is being, what you're thinking? Um, today, we have heard the word. We are committed to act on it. How will you pass it on? You have to pass on the word. Like I said, you have to reach people for God. Um, do you have any questions? Okay, let's burn our hat and let's take this um, commitment. Let's burn our hat. Today, I commit to loving and serving God and letting that show in how I love and serve people. So, you're going to say, Father, today, I commit to loving and serving you and letting that show in how I love and serve people. Okay, let's, let's talk to God. Um, I, I, I mean, I've not particularly explained salvation today. But if you have been listening, you understand that there is no eternal life but in Christ Jesus. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. Oh, you used to be born again. You're like, wow, see what I am missing. The word is becoming alive. You're like, Pastor, can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Wherever you are sitting, you don't need to come forward. I want to strike a new relationship with God. I want to come back to God. Oh, I've never given my life to Jesus. I want to commit my life to Jesus. Wherever you are seated, put up your hand now over your head. I will pray together. That is me. Pray with me. Can put up your hand well. God bless you. Oh, God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister. That is me. Put up, put up the hand. That is me. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. Put it up. Put it up. God bless you, sir. God bless you. That is me. God bless you. We are going to give you a card. Once you have the card, you can put it on that hand. Instructions are scrolling if you are online. I want to commit my life to Jesus. I want to... I want eternal life. I want to confess that Jesus is the Lord of my life. Put up that hand. And I will pray together. Oh, Father, we thank you. We give you praise and glory, Lord. We pray for everyone that is coming to you today, Lord. We ask, it is unto you they are coming. Reveal yourself to them, Lord. Change these lives and let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. We pray for every one of us that your life will saturate our life. And in your life, let your light shine forth. And that light will overcome every darkness in our lives. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you.
In Jesus' mighty name, we are free. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you.